And first, a quick word from our podcast sponsor. FactSet delivers superior data, analytics, and flexible technology to help more than 170,000 users see and seize opportunities sooner. For over 40 years, we have given investment professionals the edge to outperform with informed insights, workflow solutions across the portfolio lifecycle, and industry-leading support from dedicated specialists. Through market changes and technological progress, we're proud to have been recognized with multiple awards for our analytical and data-driven solutions, while staying connected to our clients and each other. Learn more at www.factset.com. Our guest today is Grace Hoy, Head of Green Sustainable Finance at Hong Kong Exchanges and Clearing Limited. Ms. Hoy co-chairs the Market Development Workstream and the Carbon Market Workstream of the Green Sustainable Finance Cross-Agency Steering Committee established by the Hong Kong Monetary Authority and Securities and Futures Commission. Grace, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Matt. We wanted to talk about what's going on in ESG in Asia. Uh, We thought a great person to talk to would be you because you're heading up uh, green sustainable finance at the Hong Kong Stock Exchange, and there's a lot going on. Each discussion we have with our guests, we try to frame the topic and what's one factor or one number from where you sit that our listeners should should listen to, should should hear. And so what's what's kind of one factor, what one number that kind of frames how things are going in, in Hong Kong? That's a good question to start. Um, I guess, you know, back in 2016, we only had about three green and ESG-related bonds. And since the end of last month, we we have 135 green and ESG-related bonds listed on the stock exchange, raising around 410 billion cumulatively. For us, that's a significant growth. And we are seeing this not stopping either because we keep on getting listing applications and different types of bonds. So I think that's a good number to start with. Yeah, that helps frame just just where things have gone in a short time, just five years ago, from three to now to hundreds. And we see that, you know, that's a, that's a story we see around the world. To kind of frame things from a high level, and then we'll get down to some of the details. Where have we been? Where are we now? And where do you see that we're going? ESG sustainability, uh, where you sit in Hong Kong and in Asia more broadly? I mean, apart from the growth in the ESG market size, we have seen increasing diversity in the market in terms of both participants and products. A substantial number of main board and overseas entities have chosen to issue green bonds in Hong Kong, including multilateral development banks, and most recently, uh, we have a 5 billion RMB issuance from Shenzhen government. There's also a growing range of other green and sustainability-linked products, such as social bonds, transition bonds, and sustainability-linked bonds. These new products help narrow the gap of green financing, opening the door to a wider pool of borrowers, while providing investors with more choices. So in Asia... You may be aware that back in 2018, there was a figure that was quite worrying that, you know, there's 30 trillion US dollars in sustainable investment, but only about 0.8% it's in Asia. So we have a lot of catching up to do. And as I mentioned earlier, the growth is promising. You sit at a, at a very unique place seeing what investors are looking for and what companies are looking for. As part of the stock exchange, you see the demand for 
ESG information, ESG data coming from investors. And then you have issuers on the other side who have to comply with that data, who have to provide that data. What's what's that dynamic uh, in Hong Kong and how is that evolving? We are both a market regulator and market operator. So right. from that perspective, we have a lot of, how to say it, uh, coordination, if you like, in terms of ESG disclosure. We are committed to continued improvement. So as of last July, I believe we have become the very first exchange to require mandatory disclosure of listed companies from board's involvement. So the board is now required to give a statement every year as to the ESG risks and how they have incorporated such risks and opportunities into their overall corporate strategy. And we have also upgraded our disclosure requirements to include climate disclosures because this is irreversible and we all need to make sure that we look at climate-related risks. From that perspective, we do follow the recommendations of the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures, TCFD. We are focusing on getting the climate data right. It's not because we are neglecting social issues, because we are also upgrading the social disclosure requirements from a recommended best practice to compile explain. So I think overall, it's very encouraging where we are going and how the listed companies in Hong Kong complying with, with these new requirements. There's currently a lot going on around ESG around the world. The IFRS Foundation is going to be coming out with their recommendations and their proposals pretty soon. SEC is kind of on the same track. In the next month or so, we're expected to see something from the SEC. COP26 is about a month away from what we're, we're recording this in early October. COP26 is about a month away. Standards are, are changing and, and evolving. From where you sit, are the standards adequate and we talked, you just talked a little bit about this, but talk a little bit more about the standards that you see around the world and are they meeting the demand of, of investors? I think from an investor's perspective and from listed companies' perspective, it is very burdensome to have to face, you know, the alphabet soup of different disclosure requirements. So I think the work that is being done by IFRS Foundation, it's really important and we in Hong Kong, we have already announced that we will support the new International Sustainability Standard Boards. And I'm sure that our disclosure requirements will very much follow that. Having said that, I am eager to see whether assurance will be required because investors rely on this you know, ESG data to make investment decisions. But at present, for us, at least in Hong Kong, it's not a requirement. So I'm hoping that that will somehow come out from the IFRS Trustee Foundation. That's a great point. We did a survey of our membership back in 2015 and then repeated it in 2017. And we we have a survey that just ended. And we asked that question about assurance each time. And it's gone up a little bit each time of folks wanting assurance around ESG information, ESG data, and then you get, but then you get into the ESG data question about the quality of the information and all that. But there is, there's demand there and a rising understanding that there's a cost along with that. And that will increase the cost for issuers and investors. It'll be interesting to see, as you said, how that plays out, what IFRS says, what the SEC says. If we're having this conversation three to five years from now, what's been settled and, and what is the insurance, you know, we, we can expect, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Barring, barring a time machine, we'll have, we'll have to wait and see. I've seen, and I'm sure you've seen recently, there's, there's starting to be some pushback on ESG and how effective it is and how useful it is, and a lot around the issue of greenwashing. 
whether that's for products or issuers saying they're doing something or investors saying they're doing something. And, you know, is, is it, you know, some of the issues are there's no one definition of sustainability or ESG that people agree upon. And we're feeling our way, whether it's in the European Union or the States or where you are, about what data needs to be collected, what needs to be disclosed, whether it's a product or whether it's, you're an investor, uh, you know, what, uh, what is greenwashing and what is not. We, and we talked about this before a little bit on our previous conversation we had about the issue of greenwashing. And I'm curious, and I'm sure a lot of folks are curious, you know, how is that from your perspective in the Hong Kong market and what's being done to combat greenwashing? I think we need to take a balance is uh, not having, you know, a taxonomy, not knowing what's green, what's not green, a reason for not uh, moving capital to uh, sustainable investments. So greenwashing, I think at the end of the day, uh, what investors look for is transparency. So a lot of the bonds, they said they comply with certain principles, standards, but has that really been disclosed to investors? Is post-issuance report issued? Are these reports certified by anybody? So I think that disclosure is really important. And secondly, investors are now looking for more. They don't just look at the green projects or where you're going to spend your money from, from the proceeds. They also want to look at the overall corporate strategy uh, of the issuers. So I think you will see that there will be more and more disclosures coming out. And we built a platform last year just to make sure that that transparency is given to investors and it also allows issuers to showcase what they have done. That's called sustainable and green exchange uh, stage. So this is something that we do to alleviate concerns from investors about greenwashing. Well, that's something we were in, on my list of questions, pulling back the curtain a little. You know, Grace and I have talked before. We have a list of questions we're going through. I know there's one about stage a little bit later in, uh, in our discussion, but you just mentioned it, so I want to go there now. Could you talk a little bit about stage and what it is? and how investors should be should be thinking about it. Stage is a platform where we draw the investors and issuers together and to also do education for the public, for the corporate. So first and foremost, we have a uh, repository of all our green and sustainable investment products. As of uh, September uh, last month, we already have 78 sustainability themed products, including bonds and exchange traded products that are displayed on stage. We don't charge any money for such disclosure. We require issuers to be committed that throughout the tenure of the bonds, for example, they have to provide an annual post-issuance report telling investors where the money is spent and any environmental or societal impact that has been achieved with those proceeds. So I think we are probably the first one to do this in, in the region, in Asia. We're seeing other exchanges also following the footstep, which is great. And we hope to increase awareness, accessibility, data availability, transparency, and also promoting international standards in the space of green and sustainable finance. And, and so we're adding another acronym to the uh, long list of ESG and sustainability acronyms. What does STAGE stand for? Sustainable and green exchange. So ST is sustainable, and is A, and exchange is G. Yeah, I always wonder people. You know, people include the and or they don't. I guess it, it just depends on the acronym. But okay. But we have this acronym because it's to showcase our issues efforts. Exactly. So that's why this stage. Yeah. Two of the biggest issues, you know, over the long term, facing us are of course climate change uh, and natural capital biodiversity. 
what needs from again from from your perspective in Asian Hong Kong, what needs to be done on these issues, uh, and what is being done, and and where what else do we need to do? Last September, mainland China came out with carbon peak by 2030 and carbon neutrality by 2060. Thereafter, Hong Kong has also come out with that by 2050. So there's a push for a transition to net zero. And what are we doing to facilitate that? So the Environmental Bureau of Hong Kong will be issuing this month, in fact, very soon, the Climate Action Plan 2050 that will set up more proactive strategies and measures to reduce carbon emissions. We need to also give incentives for corporates that are actively doing things to reduce carbon emissions. So we are very much looking at development of carbon markets. From a Hong Kong perspective for a ETS, Emissions Trading Scheme, we may be small, given that uh, we have two utilities. They have been kind of dealt with separately by the Environmental Bureau. But is there a way for our Hong Kong companies to find a way to participate in the China's ETS? So that's something that we are exploring. And then the other development clearly is to drive capital into those projects that no one would have otherwise support. These are you know, R&D or carbon technology projects, methane capture or reuse, and other types of renewable energy projects. So voluntary carbon market and the high quality carbon credits are probably um, the next big thing for us. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I think I think you hit it right on the head with incentives, I think is is a way to approach this that it, over the long term, I think is, is going to have the biggest impact. We do as, as people, we do what we're incentivized to do. And corporations are, are no different. You know, you give people the right incentives, you'll get the right behavior if, if that's the if that's the right word. And investors need to start also pushing this and start uh, looking at the valuation of the companies, right? By taking into account carbon price, you know, the company emits carbon. And so looking at how to set a global carbon price in terms of the portfolio would be important. So lots to, lots to do that because there's, I mean, apart from ESG, we also have issues around standardization of what a high quality carbon credit looks like. We know that the task force on scaling the voluntary carbon markets have done a lot of work uh, on this. And again, we hope to hear more at COP26. Yeah, and that's another thing that people should should look at is the, the development of carbon markets over over the, the coming years. I think now the stat is about twenty to twenty five percent of the world's emissions are covered by some kind of carbon market with the with the China market that just launched earlier this year. And that's only going, you know, how, how fast does that grow? Where does it grow? What is the the price on carbon in those in those areas? Uh, and again, we're having this conversation three to five years from now, it'll be it'll be a much higher number and we'll be able to to have more interesting data on that to see how what is and what isn't working. Well, before we let you go, we have I have one more question for you. You know, Hong Kong kind of sits as the connector between the East and West. So how would you describe Hong Kong's role in sustainable finance development in Asia and more specifically in China and the in the Greater Bay Area? Very good question. We just had our policy address earlier today, and the government already says that they're going to devote around 240 billion in the next 15 years to combat climate change, well, both in both mitigation and adaptation. I think that us in Hong Kong, we are next to China. We have the infrastructure, we have the regulations and business environment 
to support China's carbon neutrality. We want to build, continue to build a world-class regulatory framework. We have many world-leading financial and professional institutions here. Having been designated by the government in China to be the green finance center of the Greater Bay Area, we have a lot to do to support our other neighboring cities in the Greater Bay Area. The other thing is that in the world of sustainability, there shouldn't be any competition. We should work a lot closer with other stock exchanges in this region to help uh, unify some of the things that we are doing so that we have more liquidity and transparency. So we have a big role to play, given that we have many countries that are, you know, have pretty low kind of uh, sea level. Uh, we need to watch what we're doing to make sure that this, the, the, the countries in this region are sustainable. That's great. Thanks, Grace. I, I lied a little bit. I said that was going to be the last question, but we have one more for you, but this is an easy one. Uh, we always try to leave giving our, we hope, you know, these 20 minute conversations or so we have with, with folks in the ESG world are, are educational or edifying and people get a lot out of them, but we want to leave them with a little bit of homework in case they want to dig deeper. They want to dive deeper than the, the 20 minutes we've taken up with their time. Uh, are there things that, that you think our audience should be reading, should be looking out for to better understand ESG climate uh, in Asia from where you sit uh, that would give them uh, a little better understanding of the issues? Great. Thank you. Stage product repository will also have a resource library. We have partners like CFA that has contributed to a lot of materials, including research guidelines and webcasts. I do encourage people to come onto the platform to get themselves familiar on, on what really sustainable finance means and what green bonds are, what are the principles and standards. Now, the other thing is obviously we are looking at uh, developments of the carbon market. So I would encourage people to look at the Institute of International Finance, uh, IIF.com, and they can learn more about where the task force, task force on scaling the voluntary carbon market is going. The point of this is really to make sure that these credits are fungible. Right. Yeah, that's a great point. Well, thanks, Grace. It's always great, great talking to you. Thanks for uh, gracing us with your presence. I had to put that pun in. <laughs> Thank you so much, Matt. I really enjoyed it. All right. Take care. Thank you.